0: Hi, this is Mimi and welcome to my podcast, The Lovely Becoming. Today's guest is Ashley Bennett, who's an art therapist and counsellor located in Melbourne, Australia. She's also recently an author and a queen when it comes to body image. Hi, Ashley. Hey, Mimi. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, Tell us about yourself. What do you do? What do you love? So I am an art therapist and a
1: counsellor. That's technically my day job. Um, and I do work with body image and embodiment and also weight stigma. I'm a bit of a I am a generalist, but they're my special interest areas. Um, in terms of what I love, I am a bit of a weirdo. like and I say that in a good way. I like lots of different things. I'm very creative. Um, I like trying new and interesting things, especially art based things. Um, I've recently, as a fun fact, just started learning the piano. So mm-hmm. that's a fun little side project for me at the moment.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like it's another good creative outlet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have this desire to just sit and cry at my piano and I want to be able to like <laughs> actually play it to express my feelings.
0: I love that's- that honestly so much. I also sometimes just want to like sing or like play music but then I just sit there and like tap things and it doesn't go so well yeah yeah but we just we yeah make it work yes that's awesome um so Ashley and I connected through Instagram and I was so happy we found ourselves in some similar Facebook groups um and your words ring so true um in the work that you do with making peace with our bodies and everything um can you tell us a bit about your body image story
1: Sure. Um, I suppose like most people's it's very complex and that's often how I do pe- see other people's stories too with their body images that you know we are very complex and um, you know these experience can, experiences can be layered. So my own story is in a nutshell um, I've always lived in a bigger body As a kid, I was, um, yeah, probably up until about eight years old. um, I, you know, had a pretty okay time in my body. body. I wasn't attacked or bullied for the way that I appeared. At that point in school, though, that's when I started getting comments from Um, classmates and even concern at the doctor and things like that so around that age that's when I started to become quite aware about what my body meant for me um and then going through high school I also had experiences around being bullied for my size um so yeah I've definitely experienced weight stigma in that sense so my body image has been very much informed by um yeah my size in particular so not so much appearance but what my size meant about me um it's definitely fueled a lot of my work um in terms of my family my dad was probably the most intense around what my body meant um and i won't go too too much into that but i think it sort of skirts around the topic of um what women's bodies in particular are meant to be for men. So, yeah, I've experienced um, quite a bit in that area. Mm -hmm. And then moving out of that, I, uh, in my adolescence, I experienced an an eating disorder and, uh, yeah, going through that phase led me to therapy and a lot of my healing actually came through my own therapy work before I then became a therapist. (laughs) So it was an interesting journey. And I know I'm not alone in that. A lot of people go to therapy and then recognize, oh yeah, I definitely want to keep doing this.
0: That was part of my story as well. So I'm glad you said that. Um, What is it like for you to use self-disclosure? I feel like there's been an uptick in kind of therapists who are sharing their stories and, Um, using social media as a platform for that Um, and I'm curious what that looks like both in the therapy room with your clients but also in general
1: yeah I think it's a really interesting topic Um, it's something that I've thought about a lot so in terms of my therapy work especially earlier on um, I was more psychodynamic so that involved really not disclosing too much about me Um, and as time has gone on even though I still I still use aspects of that work. I do find it um, to be quite helpful, especially in social media, because it's not therapy, to share some of my experience. I think it can be really humanizing. In terms of in the therapy room, it is a case-by-case basis. So um, there is a time and a place to, to share very briefly. I often share very briefly um, that, you know, I may have experienced this as well, but beyond that, I don't take up too much real estate and I use it more as a point of connection rather than, um, you know, unpacking my own story in session.
0: I like that separation a lot that social media isn't therapy and we're allowed to be humans in different spaces, um, or all spaces really, but just kind of show up in different ways. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, And that, you know, as therapists, we're not, you know, these extra special humans that are above experience. And I think because body image is such a charged area for a lot of people, um, there can be a tendency for people to come to counselling or therapy and expect that I have this magical answer about, you know, I'll have this answer and then they'll never feel pain um around the way that they look but you know that's not how it works so I think it can be really validating to hear that you know someone who literally works in this area also sometimes um feels uncomfortable in her body not because there's anything wrong with it it's just because we are fluctuating and we're
0: messy complex humans definitely there's the definitely idea that therapists have it all together um, and don't struggle and that's just so not true (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah um what do you think about the terms body positivity versus neutrality and acceptance um is there space for both or one more fitting than the other Mm. I would say um especially at the start of my
1: career and also the start of you know um, sharing this work on Instagram I was talking more about body positivity Um, especially in its more socio-political context, instead of just feeling positive about your body. Um, But as time has gone on, you know, there's space for body positivity as the socio-cultural meaning. But I think in terms of uh, therapy and in terms of self-development, body neutrality um, can actually be the more powerful route to go um because ultimately we want to and i mean it's up it's it's really up to you know the person and what they want to bring um ultimately we want to be able to be in our body and just go and live our life and i think sometimes when we think about body positivity in terms of feeling really great about the way that you look um it can still keep that focus on your body and it can still uh you know, require you to feel good about your body to go out and be in your life, whereas body neutrality kind of frees you up a little bit. It's like, yeah, some days I won't feel so great about my body. Some days I'll feel really great about my body. And I'm also not going to let that hold me back. Um, It can also be more attainable because there are some people who have, you know, I'm thinking about people with chronic illness In particular where the body is a real source of pain and distress so requiring them to feel good about their body is kind of you know a little bit problematic because their baseline may be pain so it's you know how can they find a level of acceptance of their body um, whilst validating what they're actually experiencing in their body which may not be pleasant it depends on the person really, and where they want to go. Because on the other end of the scale, I'm not sure if you've um, seen it, but Sparkle Jams is talking about the concept of fat vanity. So Mm -hmm. it's actually going further down the spectrum where you can actually celebrate, um, and I'm talking specifically about fatness here in the reclaimed sense. So I hope hope everyone who's listening um, is aware of the reclaimed version of the word fat. Um, where you can actually go down the pride route like really taking pride in your bigger body and and playing with photography and self-expression in that sense so yeah I think there's the wonderful part about this work is that it goes down so many avenues and you actually get to choose where you want to place yourself or what avenue you want to explore
0: I really like that I hadn't heard of that before so thank you for sharing of course yeah it's really cool um, what made you decide to pursue art as a modality of healing
1: yeah um so there was a bit of a a, a crossroads moment for me um, when deciding which route I wanted to go in terms of doing my own therapy work and as someone who was trained in the arts prior to um going and doing my post-grad I had come to the conclusion that, you know, there are plenty of talk therapists out there in the world. And as someone who's quite trauma-informed, even prior to doing my training, um, I just knew that there were other ways to express what we're feeling. And I think we need to, you know, a lot of us do need to know what those methods are because we can kind of limit our healing for some people, you know, people who are really cognitive and um, who can easily find words for things, you know, they might not be as interested, but there are a lot of people who, you know, they need another way to express what they're sitting with. So I made that decision to, um, go down the art therapy route just to hopefully bring a different modality to the world. And that's, you know, even though I love talking about body image, one of my aims that I probably don't talk about as much is, um, Bringing art therapy to the world and even just art as a general form of self expression because art is inherently therapeutic. Um, yeah, so that was my decision. And it was probably also backed by how, you know, my whole life I've used art as a form of expression. You know, in my childhood, I was one of those kids I didn't really talk about what was going on for me for a myriad of reasons. Um, so I'd make art about it. So it was a very, it was a, know a resource for me growing up and yeah I just I just want to bring some of that energy to the world.
0: That's wonderful and I feel like sometimes art goes away when it's not in school and classes um, and we don't really have that form of expression and so I think it's really great to kind of bring it back to us and into the world.
1: Yeah absolutely and I just sort of see it as another form of um You know, like whether it's our bodies or, you know, whether it's art or expression, like it's we're told that it's something else that we have to be good at in order to do it, you know, same with our bodies, you know, in order to, you know, accept who we are and be accepted in the world that we have to look a certain way, you know, our art making can kind of take on that same um, mentality that if you're not good at art, you shouldn't do it. Um, If you weren't talented at it in school, you shouldn't pursue it. But the thing is, is art is just another form of language. You know, anyone can do it. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Um, can you tell us a little about your upcoming book?
1: Yeah. So it's a bit of a um, a blend of two niche areas, I feel. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see how it lands for people. Um, but, yeah, I talk about the elements that go into body acceptance, you know, what that looks like. Um, and it's almost like a, a psychoeducation plus workbook kind of vibe. So each chapter explores a different topic that I think informs what body acceptance is or how we can sort of move towards that state. Um, and then at the end of each chapter, it goes through a series of creative exercises um, using some art therapy techniques so yeah it's a it's a nice blend between educating around body image and um, looking at emotional regulation and all that kind of stuff and then we actually practice that with some exercises at the end and um, it's also beautifully photographed as well so you get a really good idea of what you might want to try out in the book too so it's it's very much a hybrid between like an art therapy you get a really good understanding of what art therapy is and also education around body image and embodiment and all the those different areas
0: yeah it's Mm -hmm. pretty cool that's awesome I'm so excited for it to be released yeah yeah
1: i actually haven't seen a physical copy of it yet myself either so i'm feeling people um in the states will see it before i do
0: <laughs> that's yeah. wild covid times are crazy i know right yeah, yeah wow um so what is internalized fat phobia um first of all and how can we combat it okay so in
1: general um Fat phobia stems from, um, on a very surface level, fat stereotypes in society. So often a lot of us, when we hear the word fat, it's not just the word fat, it's the meaning that it's attached to it. So those stereotypes can often be like lazy and stupid and unhygienic. I've heard lots of wild ones over the time, over time. Um, but there's definitely a negative connotation to it. Um, What happens is that if you identify as a fat person or a plus size person, um, whichever terminology you want to use, it's easy to then adopt that belief or that those stereotypes and apply them to yourself, even if they're not relevant to you. So just through being that body size, you will assume that you're lazy, you will assume that you're stupid um, and unmotivated and out of control Even if evidence shows that that's not the case, and it's often not the case, even if it is the case, it still shouldn't impact your your dignity and the amount of respect you should receive. But often what is the case is that those stereotypes don't actually land in reality for that person, but we walk around as if they do. So that's when we've internalized that fat phobia from society. Um, one of the ways that we can work with it is by recognizing that that's what's happening for us and start challenging them so being like okay what do I think that means what do I think society think that thinks that that means and then how does that show up in my life really show up not just saying yeah but I am lazy because you know I like to sleep in you know, past eight o'clock in the morning or something, because who doesn't do that sometimes? So it's actually really challenging, um, you know, what you do, what's real in your reality and what you think you're doing or being. Um, And then from that point, you can start to challenge things. So um, something that I see quite a bit in my practice is people believing that they're lazy And when we actually look at it, they are overcompensating by about 300% above and beyond. That they are, you know, overworking in so many areas of their lives. Um, They're trying to change other elements of their appearance to appear closer to the beauty convention. Um, That objectively, there's no way you could slap a lazy label on that person. So it's recognizing what you're doing in your life and then seeing if you can scale it back, you know, or looking at what your behaviors are and then working on adjusting them to become more realistic. So it's interesting how people who have internalized fat phobia and they um, have been overcompensating are often incredibly burnt out as people as well, because they're constantly trying to strive above and beyond what is humanly possible or reasonable to expect as well yeah that's one one area we start in
0: (laughs) yes it's heavy it's a lot and I think that was such a good way of explaining it so thank you yeah you're welcome um how does trauma play a role in body image I mean what unique approaches might you take on body image exploration for someone who's experienced trauma
1: yeah yeah so I think it sort of goes into two areas. Something I think about is, and something that does happen is body scapegoating. So when someone has experienced um, trauma, it, it can it's a phenomena where you can take those feelings, so feelings of distress, feelings of um, being powerless, and projecting them onto your actual body So you might think, you know, oh, my body is wrong. I can't change my body. If my body was just like this, then I wouldn't feel powerless, things like that. Um, That's a form of scapegoating the body, which often shows up in trauma presentations. The other element is that trauma affects the body itself, not just how it looks, but trauma is a, a very physical um, felt experience inside the body. So, um, those of you who haven't read the book yet, you know, looking at the body keeps the score is a great place to begin, just with some foundations around that. Um, because sometimes you can be experiencing the impact of trauma in your body, and it, and because that doesn't feel great, understandably, we assume that oh, there's something wrong with the body. So if we just fix the body the way that it looks, and that's when we start going into that scapegoating area, Um, we can feel better in our body. But the thing is, it was never about the way you looked. So it can be um, helpful to, in some cases, go and do trauma therapy instead of body image work. Work on that underlying root um, issue and then see what's remaining as you go and work on the body image element
0: afterwards yeah that's good um on a little bit of a lighter note um what are your favorite foods
1: my favorite foods mm, um they change all the time I feel like the more I went into recovery and over the years years foods you know I like foods but they're not as like y like oh my god I can't wait to eat this um I'm definitely more of a sweet person so I'm not as into like I do eat savory things but I love um sweet foods so yeah there's it's probably more food types rather than a particular food um and it depends if I'm hungry or if I'm just wanting something for pleasure. So if we're looking for pleasure, cake, chocolate, all of that, give me something really interesting, a flavour sensation. <laughs> if I'm really hungry, um, I've actually really been getting into different curries recently and enjoying the different textures of, of the foods. Like, you know, the I'm going to get into I feel like a bit of a Tiffany Rowe moment, but like the sloppiness of curry with like the crunchiness um that can be in it too and just yeah it's fascinating
0: I love that exploring the different textures and um temperatures and everything like that the Mr. Rowe method is spot on <laughs> um, my last question for you is how are you becoming oh,
1: that's always a juicy question I think at the moment I'm learning and practicing which is always the difficult part to just be with what is more so instead of um really trying to control what's happening externally I think I'm really busy at the moment and it can get really easy to be caught up in um all the things that I should be doing and or ways that I should be combating the feelings of busyness that come up Um, I'm just trying to actually sit in the present moment as cheesy as it can sound and just allow myself to be here instead of off in my mind. Yeah, so it's something I'm working on and I think that's ultimately going to, um, well, it has, you know, that's what I've done for a long time. It often leads me on the right path that I need to go on.
0: Definitely. That's such a beautiful way to end this podcast and I so appreciate your time um and I'm so excited for your book thanks Mimi thanks for having me on it's been lovely to chat